Welcome to Lithium Iron Rocks on Rockstock Channel, episode 32. Today, we have Arne Franzen, the managing partner of Pallinghurst, the major private equity fund. As a reminder, my partner, Rodney Hooper, and I, and RK Equity are not financial advisors or broker dealers, so nothing you're gonna hear today is financial advice. Please do your own research and note the disclaimer at the end and also on our website, rkequity.com. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to Rockstock Channel and click the bell so you can be notified immediately of all future episodes. Please join our growing list of Patreon sponsors at patreon.com slash lithium ion rocks. It is December 9th and we are very privileged today to have Arne Franzden, uh, the managing director of Pallinghurst, a major private equity fund um, heavily invested in the battery materials space, including in Namaska and Nouveau Monde in Quebec. Uh, but the company has a, a long history that uh, Arne is going to you know, introduce a bit, his background and his partner, uh, Brian Gilbertson, um, and the, the history of Pallinghurst, and more importantly, the, the kind of present and the future. We're very excited to kind of have this conversation. We've been in touch over uh, the, the many months of the uh, Namaska you know, saga, which you, you've now officially taken over the keys, new Namaska, which I call new Masca. Um, but uh, there was a period of time I wrote a, a note called uh, Jupiter's Halo in July of last year, so nearly 18 months ago, when you first came in uh, you know, planning to do a rights offer um, in partnership with Investment Quebec, which is invested in the company for up to $600 million. And a lot has happened. We've done kind of podcasts, what went wrong, Namaska, et cetera. We're, gonna get in, we're not gonna get so much into that here as focused kind of on the future, but why don't we start first with um, kind of your backstory, you know, how you came to doing what you're doing and, and, and then we'll take it from there. Sure, Howard. I mean, thank you for having me. Well, it's, it's very logic, isn't it? A, a guy from Denmark where there's no mining going on, he should end up mining battery materials around in Quebec and in Africa. But uh, that, was the, that was the way the, the cards were dealt. Uh, I always, since I started studying law, I, I loved mining. Uh, I spent, I studied law in Denmark and in Japan and in, uh, in South Africa. And uh, uh, I, I fell in love quite early with the resources space and, and found that was uh, where I wanted to spend my time. So even as, a, as an investment banker at Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan, uh, resources uh, had my, had my fancy. Arne, um, I remember as a young man, Brian Gilbertson being a, a big heavy hitter in South Africa when I was starting out my career in the early 90s. Um, can you give us some, some color about uh, his history and uh, in the what we would call clean energy for the old uh, internal combustion engines and, and how you came to sort of partner up and assets in Africa? Yeah, I mean, I mean, Brian is obviously one of the big gurus of, of, of our industry. And uh, besides creating BHP Billiton, uh, he created the largest aluminium company. He created the largest company out of a mining company out of India. So he has been very active in, in our industries for, for many years. Uh, he is an applied mathematician and uh, a very intellectual person, and uh, he has a strategic insight to the mining industry that very few people have. 
Uh, I met Brian the first time more than 25 years ago. I had just started at Goldman Sachs and uh, the first meeting I had, uh, I was the junior back carrier and on the other side of the table sat uh, Brian Gilbertson. And uh, we have been in contact and first when I was stayed in banking for, for 12 or 13 years, uh, I worked with him on a number of, of different transactions and uh, then we ended up uh, where we together created what at that stage was the, the largest black owned uh, company uh, in, in sub mining company in South Africa called Inquala. And I was the CEO, became the CEO and Brian the chairman. And um, uh, after that, uh, we decided on creating uh, Pellinghurst together. Uh, and we are still together and our partner, Andrew Willis, uh, is there as well. We started off initially uh, raising $2 billion, which we put to to work in, an, in a number of, of, of mining companies. We've been in Australia, in Canada, also before now, and in, 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 in Europe and, and obviously Africa, we have uh, had a, norm, a number of successes. One of them was in, in manganese. Uh, so we made that investment and uh, over the past decade, it really came from from a, a piece of felt to today, uh, one of the largest manganese operations uh, in the world, uh, the lowest cost quartile, and it will keep on producing manganese uh, for the next sixty to seventy years at least. Well, from an investment point of view, it is it has been close to unrivaled success. We put in a couple of hundred million dollars in developing the mine. Uh, it uh, has already paid dividend to shareholders that is a multiple of that. Half of the mine is listed at $600 million and uh, has a dividend yield above 20. And uh, can this mine make high purity manganese for the battery materials industry? It's definitely a possibility. It has some of the most consistent and clean manganese in the industry. And uh, it's basically the Mamatuan quality that uh, has been produced out of the uh, of the old Samanco uh, mine right next to us. Interesting. Okay, so you have a lot of manganese experience there, and uh, Brian Gilbertson has a lot of platinum experience, um, which, uh, as Rodney said, is internal combustion engine kind of car focused. But uh, Pallinghurst um, announced last year this partnership with Traxxas. Could you maybe talk about? the thought process, um, where your focus is and, and why, you know, how are these metals maybe different than, um, you know, manganese and platinum? Uh, Howard, I would say four years ago, um, we took our team back from doing deals and put them back on the school bench because we saw clearly that the trend that we, that everyone is jumping on today about uh, battery materials, that, that the lithium and the graphite of the world would become extremely important. And to date, we have invested just under two and a half billion dollars. We've been around for 15 years. Uh, we invested on, on, on a number of different continents. Uh, we made the decision here now going forward that because of the particularities around uh, battery materials and the importance of showing uh, provenance and, and, and being able to, to demonstrate uh, 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 not only green credentials, but also credentials in respect of, of, of where, where 
the different products originated from, that we made the decision that we will only invest when it comes to battery materials in AAA or AA countries. And uh, that means that we, we will not invest in, in South America, we will not invest in Africa when it comes to, to our battery materials. You are focused on hard rock. Have you taken a view on clay or traditional brines or unconventional brines in, in your thought process as well? Yeah, it's a, it's a funny thing because for the untrained eye, you, you will say, well, it's easier to extract from clay than it is from hard rock. Uh, there's a very good conventional wisdom that you either want things in liquid or in hard. You don't want it somewhere in the middle. And uh, we have spent a lot of time looking at clay. And uh, we personally uh, reached the conclusion that it was not for us. Uh, we like hard rock. Um, the brine issue is, is I, I think, one that uh, one has to be, I won't say careful, but uh, it, it, you, you need to take a view on it. Uh, personally, I did not get comfortable on, on the concept of, of, of interfering too much with the, with the water table. I think that has uh, implications for your environment that you operate in. And uh, you will not get a lot of local friends in the pharma community if you suddenly lower the water table significantly through your activities. Interesting. Um, so understood that those are, are issues that are well flagged in the market about, you know, I guess conventional brines. Uh, but I'm curious about the, the, the clay aspect because uh, Tesla has been talking about, um, you know, possibly doing clay. Um, Lithium Americas has a very large market cap. Um, Bacanora and Ganfeng seem to be pursuing that. So what did you learn from your diligence of clay that made you pause? Well, to me, it's, it's the, the level of certainty that you, can, that you can have that it actually can work and that it can uh, uh, be extracted financially viably and in a, in a quality that is consistent and at the level you want to do. Uh, the, the extraction from hard rock is well proven. The extraction from brine is, is well proven. The extraction from clays, uh, in, in my view, uh, has still some, some, some way to go. It, it might be that it, it will work well and I, I wish the, the, those projects you mentioned before all the best and, and, I've, and I'm, sh I'm sure that very smart people will apply their minds to how that can be done. Um, Personally, I am a big Spotamine fan and I believe that uh, taking that uh, and upgrading that and providing the flexibility of produ producing carbonate or uh, hydroxide uh, is, is a premium proposition, at least for us. Would it be fair to say, Arno, what you're saying, I mean, essentially, if one looks at it is, you know, on the, on the operating cost curve, you can get to where you need to with well-established and conventional flow sheets. One thing that Brian told me was that if something works, don't try and change it. And mining has a lot of like uncertainty by nature. There are a lot of things that you cannot control. To take spotamine and turn it in, to highest quality hydroxide and carbonate and deliver a consistent high quality product is a proven technology. 
and there is no issue with that. If you find, like in Namaska, in, in Webushi, arguably one of the best deposits in the world of Spotomy, well, then you're starting off from the right point of departure. I was about to ask that question because there, there definitely seems to be a correlation between the quality of the spodumant concentrate and the levels of impurities and then the end product. You know, it, it all starts in the ground. But if you can pick a high quality spodumene deposit of a big size that will allow you to mine for more than 40 years, um, that is for me where I, I will start my journey. You can never fix that. If that's not there, you will never be a success. And we, we've heard that as well from uh, Luke Kassam at um, Albemarle, that uh, everything starts with the uh, resource. And uh, at, at Wabuchi, you're starting with a 1.4% grade. Uh, before we go into uh, Namaska and, and, and that, could you just, I guess, talk about the attributes of Quebec? Like, um, you know, you're in with Nouveau Monde and, and now with Namaska. So like all the money that you're investing, um, I guess, in, in this new... Uh, version is in Quebec. I mean, we did our, our, our research into battery materials and uh, we, we, we quickly identified uh, Namaska and Nouveau Monde as being the two assets that we really like to get into. But it, but it also allowed us to start a dialogue with the government uh, in Quebec and uh, uh, with IQ, the big, uh, big investor uh, in Quebec. And it was very clear from the outset that we had a lot of common ground. We viewed life the same way when it came to uh, electrification, when it looked to proper governance, when it looked to uh, using hydroelectricity, and it looked to the, to, the, to the government being supportive of this segment of the economy. A natural partnership, uh, we sat with... with with Minister Fitzgibbon very quickly and it was clear that, that his vision for how electrification can take place in Quebec was very compatible with what we wanted to achieve. So we found a, a great jurisdictions, obviously some fantastic universities, very high level, high, highly skilled uh, professionals and, a, and an understanding for mining. So, so it, was a, it was really, it ticked all the boxes. And, and the more we spent time there, uh, the clearer it became that, that this was really a, a premium jurisdiction for us. And it was also a jurisdiction that, uh, uh, where, where it was, was generally exciting. We had some, some real world-class assets. And, um, and if you then put that with Hydro-Quebec and uh, the ability to deliver zero-carbon footprint uh, electricity, you, you suddenly got some tools where you can create something really spectacular. So on Damasca, uh, you came on the scene in July of last year. Um, you were going to backstop a rights offer, I think at 25 cents. Um, but then a lot of events unfolded and the company ended up going bankrupt. I guess what happened, it was always subject to due diligence, you know, the rights offer. So w w what did you uncover, I guess, in the diligence from the time of the rights offer announcement to the time of, I guess, the bankruptcy? And, and, and now it, it, it really, it's 18 months from your first coming on the scene that you actually physically are taking the keys. We spent typically six to nine months doing due diligence. And uh, 
our philosophy is it's not a question about how much we invest initially. We whether we invest a dollar or a billion dollars, it it is the same thing we go through, and uh, and and but then the company will also get a financial backer that. It's not skirmish, and if things doesn't go right, because guess what? In many mining projects, things are not going to go right all the time. So, uh, so we go in, and we are in for a penny, in for a pound, and uh, and that that's how we conduct our due diligence. So it was quite unusual in the Namaskar situation that we went out and went public about what we want, that we were interested. Because typically we will have done our nine months due diligence before it became public, so everything was always subject to due diligence. And and as we did our due diligence, it was very clear that in Babushi there is a, an absolute world class asset. It's also very clear that the uh, the the P1P plant that is producing the hydroxide is uh, has demonstrated the ability to. Uh, produce something that off-takers would really like and off-takers uh, were willing to, to enter into agreements with. It just became very difficult when there were a number of agreements that were not commercially viable from our point of view. Uh, some of them uh, were off-take agreements, some of them were financing agreements, some of them were undertakings to, to deliver spotamine, where maybe it would make more sense to, 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 to take it up the value curve. So there were a number of, of, of decisions that, uh, that simply made Namaska, from our point of view, uninvestable. And uh, uh, it, it, it is very difficult. I mean, we, obviously, if, if the company needs a significant amount of capital and uh, you, you mentioned that it went into a CCAA situation. I mean, obviously, it, it's not viable for Pellinghurst or IQ to put money in that doesn't go to developing the mine but goes to pay creditors out. So, uh, so unfortunately, um, after, after six months of due diligence, the conclusion was that uh, uh, that it was not for us to to invest into the structure at that point in time. The company then went into a CCAA process, or equivalent to Chapter 11 in uh, in the US, and we participated in in that process. But there's nothing that has changed from from the beginning. We clearly stated that we that we like the assets, and uh, uh, we were looking for a structure where it would make sense to to invest in. And it is very regrettable, and uh, uh, I, I I genuinely feel sorry for the shareholders that that lost the money that they have invested into the company. But from our point, it 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 was simply not possible for us to invest into a bankrupt structure because that would prevent us from using our money to developing the mine, uh, what it really should do. So with the company being into CC going into CCAA, we teamed up with, with IQ and uh, we jointly uh, made uh, a bid for, for the asset. And the idea is then to take the asset and then develop the mine and uh, the uh, hydroxide plant uh, that goes with it. But to be a fully integrated producer of battery-grade uh, lithium. 
And Anna, uh, it was quite interesting, you know, with uh, Lavent having a track record of a single acid Argentinian brine to, you know, stating a preference for that and then suddenly pivoting away from, from that and now looking to participate in a hard rock asset in, a, in obviously a very solid jurisdiction. Can you tell us a bit about how that all came about and, and your thoughts about having them as a partner? Paul and I are educated in the same kind of mold, in the same type of bank. And uh, uh, so I, I think we are we started off both as bankers, so we uh, we have a lot in 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 common, and uh, we had a dialogue quite early on. Uh, he's a he's a formidable CEO, and 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 uh, and and we had a had a good discussion about the difference between Hard Rock and Brian, and 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 how we could see things going forward. Uh, you can't take away from Liven that Liven and its predecessors have 60 years of experience when it comes to producing lithium and, and battery grade lithium. And, and that, is, that is some very good skills and some very good knowledge to have. And uh, it, it became quite clear that, uh, that we would benefit from working together. And uh, uh, for that reason, we invited them to be, become an investor with Pellinghurst into, into the, to, to the, to the asset that Pellinghurst and, and IQ have a 50-50 partnership in. So, uh, so they became an investor into Pellinghurst and uh, they are our, our partner now as we take it forward. They have a formidable team uh, and some very high, highly skilled uh, people with the relevant uh, experience. So if you want, uh, what you said, Howard, if you, if, if we now have some more white coats uh, in addition to hard hats. <laughs> yeah, and, um, and now we have two silver tongues from uh, Goldman Sachs. Uh, and Arne, uh, in terms of, of, of capital commitments, what is Pellinghurst in for now that you've got uh, Lavent in as well? If I was a betting man, I would say that today a billion US dollars will be required. Yeah, 50% of that's IQ, and then the other 50% is half you and half Livent, right? So does that mean Livent's in for $250 million? But, but Livent is, is an investor with Pellinghurst. So if I, if I say Pellinghurst is in for that amount, that, that also includes uh, any contribution from, from Livent as well. Of course, we love IQ to be in for 50% going forward, but, but it's not really their model to to put that high amount of capital in. So I, I, I cannot talk for them, but, but I wouldn't be surprised if they would be looking to us to, to provide a significant part of, or the, the lion's share of the capital that will have to be put in. We have a 100% track record in Pellinghurst that projects we invest in, we bring all the way to production and all the way to nameplate. And, and, and that's gonna be the case here as well. What is the plan? Maybe too early, but again, going back to Livent's public statements and your statements here are, I guess, the, the first, you know, new insights into the, the project. I mean, Livent basically said they, they were owed $10 million plus 10 million of penalties. So they were a secured creditor of 20 million. And they said over the next six months, they're going to invest like $10 million or so, uh, up to $10 million to I guess optimize the mine plan over the next six to nine months. They hadn't made a decision 
which technology to use, whether or not they do carbonate or hydroxide. So there was a lot of like to be seen in the future. So any additional kind of color, like a billion dollars, you know, is that for 20,000 tons? Is it 40,000 tons? Is it hydroxide? Is it carbonate? Um, are you going to use Damascus process? Are you going to use something like a sulfate-free, like Odutech or something else? Or is it going to be in Shawinigan or, or somewhere else? Could you add any color to that? Well, how do you ask exactly all the right questions? Because these are... <laughs> and I just want to remind you, I got the keys last week, okay? So, <laughs> so if, if I had all the answers to that right now, it would be pretty formidable. Uh, these are, of course, the questions that we need uh, answers to. Um, I, I did, of course, know what, 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 what Paul said in, in, uh, in the announcement of their, their quarterlies. Uh, it, it has been very clear. Pellingers has been doing due diligence on this asset for 18 months. So we know the asset, I think, relatively well. Uh, we understand the challenges. Uh, for us, it starts... In some way, it all starts in the ground, as we talked about before. But I actually like to put that on the head. What I said to, to the team was there is one customer for the mine, and that's going to be the plant. So now we're going to determine what kind of plant are we going to have, how big is the plant going to be, when is it going to receive its material. When we have all of these answers, then we go back. And then we start saying in Wabushi, what is the what is what is the what do we need to mine in order to feed the plant? Uh, because we you can import spotamine and then put that in in the blend, but if you want to have a consistent and a very homogeneous product at the other end, the benefit of having it all coming from one source, going through to one process. And delivering something out at the other end is, is, is quite significant. So from our point of view, the mine will produce the tonnage that is required for the plant. And uh, whether that is going to be the 37,500% hydroxide as was the latest, just remember that plan has also changed uh, a number of times uh, within the Mascus history. I mean, they were initially going to sell spotamine, then they were going to do spot carbonate and hydroxide, then they were only going to do hydroxide. So um, those are the same uh, considerations that, that we are going or we need to, to, to form a view on. So the first, the first question, I think you're right, is what about the technology? There are a number of IPs, there are a number of great benefits in the technology that, that where we have acquired the IP uh, to that now. And... Uh, we have a P1P plant uh, that obviously has produced uh, a quite a, a material amount of material, which has been uh, tested by off-takers and they like it. So it, it, we come from the premise that this is a very good technology. However, if you are about to invest up to a billion dollars in the project, you kind of should look around to be absolutely 100% sure that this is the technology that you want to use. And there are a couple of alternatives. And uh, we will benchmark all of the, uh, the, the, the different uh, technologies and, and we will make a decision as to which one will be the best. 
And it doesn't mean that we can only do one. Just remember that. You, we don't need to build a plant tomorrow that is 37 and a half or 40 or whatever it is. If we can, if we can create modules, that might be the, the way to go. Uh, so it might not be 40,000 step one, it might be 21st and then another 20. Uh, it, it, that, that is what we, uh, together with our partners, will, will sit down and, and determine. We will put a business plan together that can demonstrate a solid return that meets our criteria based on a business plan. Uh, I, I said once that uh, in life you, you can't get second chances, but it's very rare that you get third chances. Uh, obviously, the Namaska asset went through the CCAA, uh, so in that way it... Uh, uh, it had had its first chance and the second chance is now. And uh, we will do our utmost to make sure that it's becoming a great success and it becomes uh, a fundamental element. Uh, I don't need to tell you the importance of lithium, but in a, 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 a critical part of the battery materials platform in North America. And, and we believe that uh, Quebec has... Uh, a lot of the attributes that could make that very successful. What uh, sort of long-term battery quality hydroxide price would you be happy to use in your modeling when you work out the feasibility of, of projects like Namaska? There are a lot of factors that goes into that, so so I will I will take the fifth on that one. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it it is it it has to make sense for for both parties, and and the thing about lithium hydroxide is yes it is a quote-unquote commodity but it is actually a speciality where uh, you develop a relationship with a number of end users and and when you have entered into that agreement they know what they can expect from you and you have an agreement what you can respect financially from them and what quantum you take and it's developing that partnership that I think is very critical. I mean, one of the big attractions to me in, in having Livend in as a, as a partner is that, that they have a proven track record with a lot of lithium users. That was going to be my next uh, question is whether or not you would market under their sort of banner or go on your own or, or leverage off you know, your joint relationship. Yeah, I think I think our joint relationship is 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 key here. I mean, it will the marketing will come out of of, of our joint. Uh, it will not be through them, so it will be our joint a uh, joint effort. I mean, it's interesting. You clearly uh, see it the way we see it, and how the major incumbents uh, continue to uh, reinforce the theme on their quarterly calls. Is there's definitely a situation where it's not simply you put it out you know widely for sale it's definitely working with uh, you know building partnerships with downstream customers and and who have very particular needs i understand you know they, they're different from one another so it's definitely a partnership all the way down the chain yeah it, it really is it's bespoke if if you can create that special relationship with an end user that means that the quantum we have certainty as to the quantum that is going to be delivered. 
we know exactly what quality they want, what impurities they are afraid of, and what they need to put into their quote-unquote black box uh, when, they, when, they, when the batteries are being made. And if we can deliver that and, and, and take on uncertainty out, and we can deliver it just again out of Quebec, where uh, it is all using hydroelectricity. Uh, it's green, it is sustainable, and, uh, and, and it is, I mean, if you, if you, if you look at a, at a map, I mean, from Quebec to, to Buffalo is, is a short train ride. So you can get the material into the U.S. very easily. Two more questions. One of your partners, Traxxas, and if you can kind of talk about them um, to the overall Palinhurst partnership, and then use that as a bit of a segue because they, they have an offtake or marketing relationship with Nouveau Monde. If we could just kind of conclude with, with some comments on, on graphite and, and that investment. When, when all our guys were back on the school bench learning about uh, battery materials, uh, it became very clear that, that while it is new for us, kind of mining, uh, the people are coming at it from a mining angle, some people have actually been dealing with battery materials uh, for many years and they've been dealing with the battery makers. And Traxxas is one of them. I mean, Alan Doctor, the chairman, is, is called Mr. Cobalt. He's trading more than a quarter of the world's cobalt. And, 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 and Mark, the CEO, is, is Mr. Nickel. Uh, so, so you suddenly have a company that already making those deals with the battery makers. So we are coming from it from a mining, private equity, processing part of view. So we can take it up the value chain to a certain point, but suddenly to, to add a Traxxas to it that actually is dealing with the last link, which is the interaction with the ultimate customers of, of the products. We found that a very uh, fruitful discussion. So, so we had a number of meetings in New York uh, and, and it really started two years ago where we started discussing this. And first of all, uh, they are a fantastic uh, group of individuals, uh, very dynamic, very forward-looking, obviously extremely smart and knowledgeable within in the area uh, of, of battery materials. So it was, a, it was a natural in some way to, to form a partnership with them. Okay, and uh, Nouveau Monde, if we could just uh, talk about that. You've been invested you know, quite a bit longer already in, in Nouveau Monde. If you could just kind of talk about, um, I guess, how you entered that and your view on, on overall the, kind of the graphite investment and market. So, so we, we identified two areas where we believed that we could make a difference. And one of them was lithium, and we had talked about that. And the second one was graphite. Both are kind of niche areas, and they are areas where uh, the supply chain is very dependent on China. And I don't form a view, I'm agnostic about that is particularly is China, but there is a high concentration in one country. And I think that whenever uh, supply chain management uh, comes to the forefront to be reliant on one jurisdiction uh, bears certain risk. And, and we believe that uh, in creating a supply chain that can supply the battery materials and they're based outside of China, 
that there is a benefit in that. So graphite, uh, when we came out of the school bench that I, that I mentioned before two years ago or, or three years ago, we went around and looked at pretty much every graphite project uh, known to, to mankind. And uh, again, we got intrigued and, and fascinated by New Vermont. Uh, it has a very, very large deposit. It will be the Western world's largest producer. It has a very high quality. And again, when, when it comes to graphite, it's not about what grade is in the ground. It is how easy can you get it from that to 99.95% purity. So it is the journey, whether you start at 5, 6 or 20% is kind of inconsequential. It's the, how easy is it to work with to get to this high purity. And the thing that we really liked about the flakes uh, coming out of New Vermont was that they are uh, some of the, the, the best that is, that is, that is known. And uh, the ability then to, to, to add further value to it through spherinization, purification and coating ultimately means that it, it is building blocks that are enormously consistent and of very high purity. So, so again, we, we have now in the making a, a 100,000 tons operation uh, in two hours north of Montreal. And uh, we now have a, uh, a plan for beneficiation to take place in Beckencore on the Lawrence, again, where uh, one of the partners that we have there is Olin Chemicals, which are producing, you know, big chlorine player. Uh, and, and instead of transporting chlorine up to do the beneficiation up at the purification up at the, at the mine site, we are bringing our graphite down to an industrial area where there already is a big chemical plant, so we don't need to transport chemicals. And we, we, will, we will initially put our, our plant within their facility and, and ultimately next to it, with pipelines going in and going out again. So, so it is managing carbon footprint and it is managing risk around uh, chemicals. And uh, uh, ultimately it's about producing a high quality, consistent, product for decades to come.